You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I want to first share a story of the first woman that I met back in 2011, which her name was Regina. And she was a recycler in a favela in Brazil. With whatever material she couldn't recycle and sell back to the others who were going to turn it into something else, she would then partner with the artisan community to then create jewelry and sell this jewelry. And when that program started in 2011, she had maybe about 10 employees. When I went back to see her a couple years later, she had over 700 employees. That was Beatrice B. Perez the Senior Vice President and Global Chief of Communications, Sustainability and Strategic Partnerships for the Coca-Cola Company. And she's talking about one of the many success stories from Coca-Cola's 5 by 20 program to economically empower women entrepreneurs. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Among the many vital areas and programs in B's purview is 5 by 20. It was created to empower 5 million women entrepreneurs, from fruit farmers to retailers to distributors, by the end of 2020, a goal that was met and exceeded in spectacular fashion. B's leadership has earned her membership in the American Advertising Hall of Achievement and recognition on the most powerful lists, such as Hispanic Executive Magazine's list of top 10 leaders, and as one of the 25 most powerful Latinas on CNN and in People in Español. Listen and learn why B. Perez is one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. I'm here today with B. Perez, the Senior Vice President and Global Chief of Communications, Sustainability, and Strategic Partnerships for Coca-Cola. She's a terrific example of a top executive in a major global corporation. 
So for our listeners, B, could you tell us what this position entails? Sure. Thanks, Melanie, first for having me here today. I'm quite honored to be a part of these hundred women that you've been featuring. So thank you for that. And um, so I've been at Coca-Cola for 26 years, and I, I know that sounds like a long time, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the the journey. Today, my role is on the executive leadership team of the company. So I oversee, as you said, the communications function. So think about all of the um, messaging we put out in the media from earnings to our investor days, as well as when we speak to different key stakeholders. I also oversee with a phenomenal team of people the sustainability function. So I'm the company's first chief sustainability officer, but we've grown that area across the global business. And then strategic partnerships encompasses several different areas, different relationships from some of the ones with the not-for-profits that we um, have partnerships with, Special Olympics, for example, all the way through to areas like Global Citizen, as well as part of that is I chair the Global Foundation. And so we look at those relationships very deeply and we we like to partner, not just transact. So that that's an important area. I also, Milan, I'm not sure if you are aware, I also run our, I have a P&L as part of my area. I run our licensing and retail business. So anywhere you find our brands coming to life on a, on a glass or a t-shirt or simply in a bag that you're carrying all the way through to some of our retail locations like the world of Coca-Cola, where we feature our global story. All of those are also run within my function. And I must say run by a phenomenal general manager lady named Michelle Moorhead as well. Well, it's an all-encompassing job and you do such a magnificent job at it. Um, You mentioned sustainability as part of your role. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Because it's a very important arena and I'm not sure everybody understands what sustainability means, particularly as a company like Coca-Cola is committed to it. Sure. So sustainability, for me, it's an interesting overused buzzword. So I'll start with that. When when, um, I was asked to first become the first chief sustainability officer, I'll have to admit, I didn't like the word sustain because no one wants to sustain. Everyone wants to grow. And so when you look at it, today's buzzword of the day is ESG, environmental social governance. And that's really what sustainability encompasses. It's the work we do around water. And how do we think about water for community as well as for our business? How do we think about packaging and the environmental impacts and how do we ensure that we're creating a circular economy and, and really enhancing nature, not taking away? How do we think about society? So that's where 5 by 20 or empowering you know, 5 million women by 2020 fits in. How do we make sure that we leave our communities strong and thriving and, and give the tools and the investments that are required to help empower society? And, and a lot goes into this as well as the governance side of it, which is, you know, do we have the right governance mechanisms throughout the business to make sure we're doing what we say we're doing, as well as all the way at the top, you know, ensuring that we are looking at a diverse board of directors, diverse leadership inside and outside of um, the business. So sustainability encompasses a lot. But for me, what it really is about is how do we grow for society the things that society cares about most? How do we become pro-nature? How do we become pro-society? while at the same time we grow our business and have a positive lasting impact as well. Excellent definition. And I I like the fact that you also uh, enabled our listeners to understand what ESG is because so many companies uh, have been committed to that and Coca-Cola especially. You mentioned your journey. And I wonder as a Latina executive, 
if you could walk us through your career, because I think that would be so interesting to hear. And how did you get to Coca-Cola? And I dare say you have been extremely successful. How has that been possible? What is it that has enabled you to get to where you are today? Sure. Thank you, Milan. So I, I always have to start with my mother in mind. And so my mother came from Cuba and she immigrated into the United States and she lived the American dream. And she was a woman that I call just a power for good in terms of she never let anything get in her way of helping others. And she always knew that that would also in turn help her because she saw so many people invest time in her. And she started businesses. She became a human relations commissioner. She got her PhD in philosophy. And I could I could just do a whole discussion on my mother. But why, you know, why I bring that up is because she taught me that rejection, failure, taking risk is a part of life and it's a part of your journey. And for me, how I got to Coke actually I was rejected first. So I so I will say this. I um, you know, was gonna be an aspiring lawyer and I decided to drop out of law school. So yes, I did not go on to finish that degree. But I had just graduated with a business degree as well. And while I was volunteering at a place called the U.S. Hispanic for Chamber, I met some phenomenal people from Coca-Cola. And Eduardo Casas is one of the individuals. And I remember hearing the stories of what Coca-Cola was doing. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do. Well, you know, I didn't know where or how to get in the door, but Eduardo said, let me give you some names. Well, I reached out to all of those names. People were very kind and generous and gave me their time. At the same time, a lot of people said, well, you have to also still apply for the roles this way. So I did. I went through the application process. <laughs> I still have the rejection letters. And, um, you know, and I didn't know. I was young and naive and I applied for a role in procurement, for example. And I'll remember, you know, getting that letter back. And I was like, OK, well, if it's not procurement, what else is it? I found a different way in. I was having a conversation with one of the ad agencies, the time Lionel Sosa and now, you know, renamed as Bromley Associates and then DMBMB. So it went through its evolution. But back then when it was Lionel Sosa working on the Hispanic marketing for Coca-Cola, they said, well, what about coming in through the door of an agency versus directly in as an employee? And I thought, that sounds fantastic because I knew what I wanted to do is I wanted to work for a brand and a company like Coke that even back then had given people the ability to move up in their careers. And I looked at what Roberto Goizueta had been able to do, starting as a chemist all the way to chairman and CEO. And I thought seeing that and seeing that that was possible, that's where I wanted to be. And every single person I met from Coke was just incredible. So I eventually did get in the door through the agency. And then over time, the company formalized my role and I went into brand management on Coca-Cola and I was so proud to be there. And then I had this moment where I paused because I was in a meeting with someone who asked me if I had field experience, if I understood how the business really worked. And what was really interesting is that um, I, I reflected, I thought, well, I don't really know how the business works, but I'm in brand management and I keep pushing out all these programs to the field. So this person gave me what I call a lifetime opportunity. They offered me a job, which would be a downgrade in my job status. It was going to you know, cut my salary and I was going to then go and get field experience. So many people tried to talk me out of it. And they said, why would you do this to yourself? And my confidant and coach and my mother, of course, I spoke to her and she, you know, she said, well, why wouldn't you do this? Who cares? What do you have to learn? If you plan on being at Coca-Cola for a long time, 
then you have to take the good with the bad. And frankly, probably they're doing you a favor by allowing you to take that demotion to work in the field when they could hire someone else who's already ready now and can do the work when you don't even know what you're doing. So reality check there. My mother made it very clear. You know what? They were actually investing in me and giving me a chance. So I did it. I took it. I didn't look back. And it's interesting. The gentleman's name is Gary Azar. I still talk to him to this day. He's, he's retired. He and I spend almost once a week just chatting on the phone just so we can check in. And we've built this longtime friendship. But I look at that moment in my career he gave me, gave me a chance to say yes to something that a lot of people would never say yes to because a lot of people, as we all know, aspire for titles and more money. And of course, I like all those things too. But, you know, it was this moment of reflection to step back. And then what happened is my career almost became this series of jumping into opportunities where the company was willing to invest in me based on the skills that I was developing, but also where I could learn. And one of the next areas was from there, I took over all of our sports marketing, but through the acquisition of our NASCAR relationship, I had never been to a NASCAR race in my entire life. (laughs) I had no idea, but I was asked to assemble this team of people who did know what they were doing in some way more seasoned than me and the Coca-Cola company and partner with our bottling system and bring this idea to life around the Coca-Cola racing family, which I'm still proud to say exists today. And we built this amazing relationship with the NASCAR family and it continued to grow and it really also helped our business grow and expand in channels we hadn't been in. And so I learned a lot from that and I learned about the business of sports and how it could help the brands grow by intersecting with what people were passionate about. So fast forward, you know, I'm now at the, you know, the chief marketing officer of North America when I get asked to take over and become the first chief sustainability officer. I looked at that moment on NASCAR and I said, you know what? People are truly passionate about making a difference in our world. And the company and our purpose today is refresh the world, make a difference. I knew Mutar Kent when he was asking me to do this was committed to institutionalize this. It's not that Coke hadn't been doing good work, but he wanted it to be a part of the discipline of the business, how we measured and tracked our, our, you know, our employees in terms of the work that they were delivering in the business. How were we growing the Coke business equally was important as the work as, as growing it. And so when Mutra asked me to do this, I took the same approach back then, which is, well, I might not be the expert on sustainability back in 2011. I was new. There were other people like Jeff Seabright, who was our environmental specialist, or John Reed, who was really steeped in terms of societal issues and, and different areas. And, you know, I tapped into them and I was allowed to work and partner with people across the business and learn and build this area of sustainability. But the constant theme that I will say because fast forward again, you know, the work carried on and James Quincy, when he came into role, added on. I thought I thought he was going to give some of the parts away. He just added on to the role. <laughs> but um, the constant theme that I found was that the company was investing in me. There were people there who were willing to mentor me and help to give me advice and counsel and guidance. But at the same time, I had to be willing to really take this chance on myself to take the risk that, you know what, maybe I wasn't going to work out in some of these areas. And maybe I was going to make a lot of mistakes that maybe other people who had done it for years wouldn't have made. But I felt this real responsibility to do the best that I could and to 
work with others to ask them for help and and know that asking for help is a sign of strength, not weakness. But it took me a while to get through that because in the beginning I kept thinking, well, I don't want to bother people. I, I don't I don't want to disrupt them. They they it put me in this role and I should know what to do. But what I found is that, you know, my journey at Coca-Cola and, and why I feel I've been able to, you know, now move on to the executive leadership team is that the company and the people invested their time and attention in me. And at the same time, I came into it with an open mind, which was what my mother taught me. You know, you you have to take risks on yourself. You're not going to know everything, but there will be people out there that you can learn from. And that if you walk into this with a learning attitude, that, you know what, the worst you have to offer or to receive is that you'll learn something even if you don't become good at it or if you decide you don't like it, then you move on and you do something else. But for me, that's a little bit of my winding career journey at Coca-Cola, which is I feel fortunate that I've had that type of opportunity to take those risks and to step into areas that maybe I was not the expert in, but people were willing to teach and train me. B, I've I've loved hearing all of this, uh, much of which I didn't know as well as I, I have come to know you over the years. And I think you've just given us an extraordinary lesson in leadership you know, making failure your friend, which is very difficult to do, taking risks, persisting, no matter what the twists and turns are. It's just an extraordinary story about not just how to succeed, but how to succeed well and making a difference every inch of the way. So part of your story is also you're paying it forward to others. And given your own personal history, how have you worked to empower more diverse female leaders to succeed? Because we have such a need in our world for that today. We definitely have a need in the world. And what I found is that I actually had to mature in to understand what the issues were because I was fortunate that I was raised by a very strong female leader who persevered in her own life. And I saw that I, I grew up with several role models. So when I came into my career and I started on my own journey, I didn't always see it and understand the barriers that a lot of women were facing. And the more I got into it, and probably the first time I really personally felt it was when I entered into that world of sports. I walked into rooms where I was the only female in the room. And I will tell you one story, and I won't use the names, but I was in a really important meeting once where people did not understand I was there to represent Coca-Cola at the highest level. They thought that I was the person there to take the notes. So they first walked in and said, do you mind getting me a cup of coffee? I like it with cream and sugar. And when you take the notes, can you make sure that you wait that if we don't want something in the notes that we tell you first, and you can just cross that out. (laughs) And so I said, sir, I said, you know what? I said, I bet you make your coffee better than I could because you make your coffee probably every day or someone else does it for you. And I'd be happy to take the notes, but we actually have decided that we want to have a conversation. And let me introduce myself. I'm sorry, I don't think we've actually met yet. And um, and that was quite an interesting moment because that was the moment. And that was in 1997. And I remember it so vividly like it was just yesterday. And that was the moment in my head that I said, I now understand what my mother's been telling me, what other colleagues have been telling me. And I want to make a difference for other women. And I set out to bring on a lot of women into that sports team back then. And I'm proud to say within the next year, we had 50-50 representation of 
of females running our sports marketing business at Coca-Cola. And, you know, I'm not the only female leader of that area now. So there have been other, you know, women who have run those areas after me and have done a phenomenal job. And what I found is that, you know, the more, and, and I know you know this, Mine, you've, you've taught us a lot about women in leadership. The more women we had at the table, the less it actually became about having women at the table and the more it became about the issues we were discussing, the thinking, the solutions that we were creating. And it became about the work. And the respect level of the others in the room who maybe weren't used to seeing so many women in leadership really started to grow. And because the performance was there, and I'm not sure what all these, you know, people had expected of us women in the past, but, you know, you could actually see a visible difference in how they asked us for guidance and asked us for advice. And so that was something that for me, I always set out a personal goal. Some people who know me really well know that I don't just write a plan that the business expects. I always write a plan for the plan, which includes how will we actually get to 50-50 gender parity and the teams that I manage and lead? How will we make sure that diversity is prevalent throughout the organization? And wherever I can touch a program, a partner, a customer, a friend, how do we make sure that we're asking the questions? So if they haven't simply thought about it yet, or if they're not aware that they, that we create the awareness and, um, you know, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, I'm sure the work you've been involved in, in our five by 20 program. But for me, that was probably one of the most instrumental ways that we could have really built a program to not just, you know, empower women, but to also truly enable women to have their own voice and to empower each other and to continuously, you know, rely and know that there's someone there to support them and that they can be successful. Absolutely terrific. And I just love the way you handled that guy who uh, asked for his coffee with milk and sugar, because that happens so often to women and you did it with such uh, graciousness, but he got the message. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If you use paper, you're a human. 
But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Let's talk about 5 by 20 because it's such an incredible program. And the company has just celebrated a very big achievement, more than reaching the goal that was originally set out, going beyond that. And it's all about economically empowering women, both here in the United States and globally. So can you tell our audience a little bit more about 5 by 20, about achieving this goal, and why the company engaged in this effort in the first place? Yes, thank you, Milan. And I want to thank you personally for the support and the partnership you gave us in getting there. So as I tell the story, you're very much a part of the story. Well, you know how I feel about it. I think it's not just a terrific achievement, which it is, but matters so much to women around the world. Absolutely. And so so we did just announce that we met, we empowered over 6 million women, of course, by 2020. So the goal was empower 5 million, and we did over-deliver as you know, we assure the data through ENY. So when we say that number, we have the confidence that we truly did deliver the number and that there are 6 million individual women who are part of the story of the journey. So starting with that, let me now go step back into 2007, actually, because while the goal was set in 2010, there was a lot of work going on in the company before that around women's economic empowerment. But there was this moment when Mutar Kent, who was chairman and CEO, formed what was called today the Women's Leadership Council. There was were women brought from all around the world. And he asked us in a very you know, direct way. And I will tell you that he sat in the room with us. There were no additional people. It was the women that he had called on from around the world, globally from the business, to talk to him about what was the opportunity for women in our own business. And what else did we see needed to happen in order for the business to continue to live up to the legacy that we had earned? Some people know that we were the first company to have a female board of director, Letty Pate Evans, and that was in 1934. And so we had a proud history, but at the same time, still had the opportunity to do a lot more. And we were in a place where Mutar recognized it and said, we have to do more. If we want to have more women in leadership... As we know, the role of women in society is critical in terms of stability, economic growth, and the opportunity that exists. So Mutar recognized that. And when this group came together, and you might remember some of the names, there were women there like Kathy Waller, who'd been our our chief financial officer, or Charlotte Odes, who had had a long, wonderful career in terms of leading our public affairs communications organizations in all of Europe, as well as even before that in our brand management. 
Kathleen Tarmello, who today has won our prestigious, you know, Woodruff Cup Award a couple of times in our North America business, running that business. So lots of different women and some of the names I know you've met. And out of that journey, the, the Women's Leadership Council in Mutar had a discussion around, you know, we're Coca-Cola. And while we do know we need to set goals internally and, and drive further parity in terms of women and leadership inside the business, we also have this accountability to help support the communities who support us. And we have to ensure that we're doing everything we possibly can. So Mutar sent us a way to start working and developing and designing this idea. And um, there were a lot of experts involved. And I remember when we came back in, and I won't go into too much detail here, but we presented to Mutar what we wanted to do and the goal. And he really pushed us hard and said, that number is not big enough. It needs to be bigger. You know, nothing like being rejected by the top of the company saying this is not good enough. It's not ambitious enough. Not ambitious enough. And so that's what we got to the ambitious number of 5 million women. And I'll be frank, none of us in the room sat there and knew how we were going to get there. We we knew what we needed to do. We knew it was access to, you know, financial capital, to training, education opportunities. We knew some of the things that needed to happen, but we didn't really know how would we get to 5 million women. But what we did know was that we couldn't do it alone. We needed to ask for help. We needed partnerships. And we also needed to be able to make sure that when we did this, that we were truly helping the women and that this needed to be about the women and their stories and their growth. Of course, Coca-Cola benefits and is a part of that, but it can't just be one-sided. And we knew that instinctively, as well as we put the pen to paper to start to build the plan. So as you might remember, in the early days, getting to the definition was really important. The partnership in terms of who would assure the data and how would we measure and track this. And then aligning our entire business, you know, of the company business units, as well as the bottling system, and then figuring out who were the partners that could help us in all the different geographies. When we say 6 million women, it's across 100 countries today. It's touched every single business unit that we have. Almost every single bottling partner has been involved in some form or fashion. And we have partners like yourself, like UN Women, like CARE, like Bill and Melinda Gates, like the World Bank. I mean, I could go on. There's a there's a 5 by 20 report that I encourage everyone to go on and read that lists all of the partners. And there's there's hundreds, maybe even thousands. I mean, I'm sure we've, we've missed some names and please tell us. But what was important to us was also making sure that... Um, you know, that this program was going to get there. And I will tell you that, you know, as you know, we've had leadership changes even in between. So the thing that I that I really recognize and give the company a lot of credit is when we changed hands from Mutar to James Quincy, who's our current chairman and CEO, this wasn't any less important in his agenda. This was actually very important. And I remember James Quincy standing up at a town hall and saying, we have to deliver on empowering 5 million women by 2020. This goal remains, and we expect the company and the business to deliver this because this is equally good for our business. When you look at 70% of the women, of our consumers are women purchasing our brands, a good chunk of the retailers who sell our products are women. So this does have an element of self-interest where when we empower these women, we know we're actually helping the Coca-Cola company At the same time, we know the Coca-Cola company does not exist, nor should it, without the community wanting us there, welcoming us in, and for us adding value. So it was a really beautiful town hall where James 
made it very clear that while he was the new leader, this was a critical priority. We would make the number. And then, of course, the pandemic came. <laughs> and, and I will tell you, because you know how hard it was to even get to sort of, you know, the, the early parts of the journey. But when the pandemic came, we had to lean in even more because we, we had a risk of, of well, what would happen with the lockdowns? Could we really keep the work going? And this was in every aspect of our business. And what was really exciting was, is that a lot of the work that really came together over the years before the pandemic was exactly what a lot of these women needed during this time, during the pandemic, when they were facing business challenges and when they needed access to financials. And when all of a sudden, you know, there were just all sorts of challenges that the tools were already, you know, in place to at least give some sort of guidance. I mean, no one really knew how to approach the pandemic. This is our first time in our lifetimes that we've been through it. But there was enough there to say, we actually need to lean in and we need to do more for society because right now society needs us more in terms of being able to add value. And we have to really make this the number one priority in terms of the business. That's so interesting. First of all, I just am so pleased that you mentioned James Quincy and the fact that there was a continuum in the leadership of the company in terms of its commitment to 5 by 20 and generally to the strong overall endorsement of investments in women across the board and women's leadership. And then the point you just made about COVID, I hadn't thought about that, but Really, the foundation that 5 by 20 created in many ways, and then the way that you leaned in during this time, which has been so discombobulating for everybody, really demonstrated why both the existing investments make a difference and the added effort that you apply to it. Can you tell us about some of the entrepreneurs? Because what is remarkable about this initiative is the way that it invests in women across your value chain. So the farmers who are out there working in the fields, producing the fruit, for example, for the juices, all the way to the recyclers who are making jewelry and then some out of the cans, for example, or the tops of the cans. Give us some texture of the real people uh, and how they're benefited. Absolutely. And um, and I could talk for hours about this and maybe at some point we have to get them on some of these podcasts. I think it could be a whole series in itself, but let, let me talk about them. So today, just to give a little bit of framing up, about 70% of the women are within the retail space. And then the the rest of it would be the farmers you talk about, the artisans, recyclers. And so there's a breadth of women. I want to first share a story of the first woman that I met back in 2011, which her name was Regina. And she was a recycler in a favela in Brazil. And what was interesting is, is she was recycling and she was already far ahead of a lot of people in the circular economy because of what she was doing. With whatever material she couldn't recycle and sell back to the others who were going to turn it into something else, she would then partner with the artisan community to then create jewelry and sell this jewelry. And her story was amazing because what she found is that when Coca-Cola came into the favela and talked to her about the program... She was excited because it would help her to get more training in terms of how to think about sanitation, how to make sure there was worker supplies in terms of gloves and recycle bins, how to actually better sell it in the aftermarket, how to give herself a salary and make sure that she was investing in herself. And when that program started in 2011, she had maybe about 10 employees. 
When I went back to see her a couple of years later, she had over 700 employees. Oh my she had gosh. Bought, it's, it's amazing. I mean, she bought her first home. She put her, her children into better schools for what she wanted for her family. And she was also investing in other women. There was a lady down the street. Her name was Doña Ana, who had a community center. And what Regina was doing now was also partnering with Doña Ana to help those students actually get career experiences and give them opportunities to have mentorship. And, and she was investing there. And so seeing Regina invest in other women, invest in her community, it's just a remarkable story because I look at that and say, wow, I mean, we simply provided some training and some tools. She took it from there. It's her story. She's the hero in this because she's the one who actually took it to help so many other people. And, and there's so many women like her. There's Geetha, who's one of the mango farmers who also, you know, was doing a wonderful job of producing, you know, mangoes, but also you know, needed to have some training in terms of irrigation for water, how to create better yields, how to sell it as well and make sure that she was getting the most for her produce. And she grew her business at the same time. There's, there's, um, you know, I will tell you, I have so many more. There's, you know, Carmelita, who's in the Philippines, who's a store owner who learned a little bit about bookkeeping and how to better manage her inventories and where to tap into supplies when she needed it. Or Sophia, who's one of the women who partners with um, an organization called Pro Natura in Mexico, who's also um, planting trees and making sure that we can help the environment in a more holistic way and employing people through doing that. But the, the one other woman that I want to talk about is Angie, because Angie, who's a woman in the United States, who actually reminds me so much of my mother, is someone who benefited from the U.S. program called Adelante, which is run by Nellie Galan. And we partnered with Nellie to help empower women. And Angie was really struggling. She was had a family to feed and she was trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And when she went through the program, she started a real estate business and she started to grow her business and she was able to employ other women through this business. And she's thriving. Just to hear her story and to hear her talk about it, it for me was one of those moments where I thought back to when my mom came into the United States and the people who helped her. And while my mom had many different sort of businesses she was in, she started a real estate business. And I remember my mother saying she was going to employ people through that real estate business who needed help. And she was going to help them to make sure that they could have an income for their families. And so when I heard Angie's story and the first time that I saw her and she spoke in different venues, I really was personally touched and impacted. And, and I've met so many women like Angie, Regina, Carmelita, you know, there's a lady named Mercedes in Spain that I could talk about who who I consider her a recycler because she took the olive pits of olives, found a way to grind them down and put them into slippers and gloves to help people who needed the healing properties. There's just so many of these great stories. And, you know, the one thing that we wanted to do is to make sure that these great stories also were truly helping these women with income. So we've done studies, and I, I know you've helped us with some of these in terms of the work that was done in Georgetown to really evaluate and assess the programs and make sure that since we were still learning and each woman needed almost a customized program within this broad array of tools, how did we make sure we were truly driving that impact and that it was sustainable for those women and that it was going to add value? And so I appreciate the work, Milan, that you helped us do to study these women and to look at the different projects. And that for us really started to be able to catalog what was working, what could be improved, 
and how we were benefiting the women so we could learn to keep these programs forward. So, you know, while we've met the goal, I will tell you that, you know, Coca-Cola's mission is to refresh the world and make a difference. The work doesn't stop. The work continues. And we now know how we can deploy some of the things we learned through the studies like the one you helped us do at Georgetown in order to be able to continue to positively impact and provide the tools for the people who need it most. Well, I think, too, all of these life-changing experiences that the women have gone through, you know about, you hear about, you record, they continue. But these investments enable them to be on a path of sustainability, if you will. It's durable. It continues to enrich their lives and their livelihoods. And I think the important thing that you've also engaged in, you mentioned EY at the outset, is that all of this is quantifiable as well. And being able to show those kinds of differences in the way that the data presents it is also critically important because business does care about not just its own bottom line, but how effective the programs are like this that are investments of the company. So I think that is a great example of how to proceed and how to continue on that path. You know, B, you've been so successful in so many ways, and this 5 by 20 program is emblematic of the kind of commitment you and the company have been engaged in. But at the end here, let me just ask you, on a personal level, what makes you most proud, particularly of a program like the 5 by 20 achievement and getting not just to 5 million, but to 6 million? Why does that matter to B. Perez? I think about this a lot, and so thank you for asking. There's so much that matters, and there's a lot to unpack here. So let me give just a couple different answers that all come together. One is I'm really proud personally that I work for a company that truly delivers on what it says it's going to do. Because I've been at Coke for 26 years, and I remember when we started this, you know, I was still younger in my career in terms of my level, my maturity. And when I saw some of the leadership changes and the, and the people who move on to either retirement or to something else, I, you know, I was watching myself and watching, will the company keep its commitment? And it did. And so I feel really good that, you know, I make a personal choice to work for Coca-Cola and I feel like this is a company that truly, truly believes in the work that it does and is willing to be transparent when it doesn't do well but also is willing to fix things and to move on and really keep these commitments and have third parties look into it. So so there's a personal thing for me around the pride I take in the company I work for and in my colleagues equally. I have seen so many different people from around the world reach out and say, how can I work on this? What else can be done? And I want to say this, I'm proud of the fact that it's been as many men in our company as it has been women and as many men in the community who've reached out and said, I want to be a part of this. I also personally feel, you know, proud of the fact that I've learned so much from these women. I am, you know, when I first got into this and I remember, you know, the story of Regina and and meeting her and talking to her and going back to see her again and then seeing some of the work in Mexico and, and just seeing this. Every single time I went, I actually took something back in terms of something I needed to change, something I needed to be better at, something I needed to do more to help other people. And so I feel, you know, very lucky to have been a part of this program, to be a part of there from the beginning, to see it all the way through, to know that the work will continue regardless of what we call it. 
um, you know, for me, it's this moment of, I feel that through Coca-Cola, not just helping the company make a difference, but the company and this program and these women, the women individually have helped me live up to what I believe in, which is how do I make a difference in my life for others, for future generations? And Melania, you'll think this is a little morbid, but a couple of years ago, I went through a personal exercise and I said, if my children were standing up giving my eulogy, what would they say about their mother? Would I be proud of that moment or not? And I went through this exercise of writing out what I thought it would be. And then I wrote out what I wanted it to be. And what I realized was that five by 20 in programs like this were the things that mattered most to me in terms of my personal legacy, that if I could work for a company who truly believed that doing the right things for society would benefit the business as well as benefit society, I could feel good about working for a company like that, Coca-Cola, because I know that, that I could live my personal vision and mission, what my children would say about me when they're talking about my life someday, and that they'll say their mom made a difference that even one action and one program actually made a difference in a small way in 6 million lives. And, and I know I don't want to overplay that because I know that the women, as I said, were the ones who actually made the difference for themselves. But simply being part of this offering and being able to do this and to know that it benefits so many people, for me, that is very special because Ultimately, at some point in time, we all move on to, you know, a different phase of our life, including when someone is giving our eulogies. And, and I would like to know that my life mattered as much as, you know, the work that, you know, I do for my business, that, that my personal life actually made a difference, not just the difference that my company makes. And so, you know, very convoluted way of just saying, I, I feel really good that I work for a company who truly believes in this and allows me to have a role where I can make a difference. Well, your children certainly know that their mom makes a difference. And I know personally that you make a difference in all that you do. Your enthusiasm is contagious. Your commitment is worth really following. And you're such a great example to others. And B, it's been utterly delightful to be able to talk to you and to share your story and the achievement of 5 by 20 with our listeners today. So B Perez, corporate leader and female leader extraordinaire, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mine, for having me. And, and I feel the same about you. So thank you. What an incredible impact B Perez has had at Coca-Cola. Here are three things that stuck with me from today's conversation. First, B has long been determined to make a difference for other women. She made it a goal to bring in more women into the company. And as she says, the more women that were at the table, the less the conversation became about having women at the table, and the more it became about the issues at hand and finding solutions. Second, B shows the value of preparation, especially when it comes to increasing diversity. As B says, I don't just write a plan that the business expects. I always write a plan for the plan, which includes how will we actually get to 50-50 gender parity? And how will we make sure that diversity is prevalent throughout the organization? Finally, it always pays to think big. B tells us that when the original plans for a women's economic empowerment program were proposed, the CEO said, 
make it bigger, more ambitious. B and her team then created the 5 by 20 program with an incredibly ambitious target of empowering 5 million women. And then they exceeded it by 1 million. Tune in next Tuesday to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.